You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Happy Monday, everybody, breaking down all the action from week 11 Sunday, and it was an awesome week of football. There was a ton of great games and great moments happening Sunday, so we will break it all down on today's show and preview that Rams-Bucks game for Monday night football. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me. Matt Williamson is a must-follow at Williamson in FL. There's a ton of places we could start, but I want to start with our picks, which didn't look great, uh, Matt. <laughs> and our six-pack <laughs> fell a little bit short here. Some of them with last-minute heroics or uh, last-minute um, botches by the Packers. But I want to start with the Falcons-Saints because I want your opinion on how Taysom Hill looked at quarterback. And uh, we both felt good about the Falcons and Chris Raybon of the Action Network had the Falcons going on his six pack as well. And it was Taysom Hill's New Orleans Saints that won this one pretty easily Sunday, 24 to 9. Yeah, uh, an impressive win. Huge division rival that was playing well in Atlanta. Um, I want to get to Hill here in a minute, but I thought the Saints defense was the star of the show. And overall, that group led by Cam Jordan is really, really stepping up and playing, you know, as like a top five type defense. I think that gets forgotten with all the the quarterback shuffling and Michael Thomas coming back who went over 100 yards. That was good to see. Um, But the Falcons, too, also are – they don't really have a running back. Julio Jones was in and out of this game. Uh, Matt Ryan was under a lot of pressure, which we know is not his forte. But I thought Hill played well. Um he still doesn't quite look like a quarterback to me. It kind of feels like if it isn't there, just run. And um, I, I imagine that could be good enough for a while. I don't think he's a long-term quarterback. I mean, we'll see. I guess I'm more open to the idea than I was a couple days ago. Um, he passed the first test and played well, but I, I'm not doing cartwheels over it. Um, one other nugget, I'm kind of speaking for my son who is playing against Taysom Hill in fantasy as Taysom Hill is listed as a tight end against the team he's playing. It's making him lose his mind. Just wanted to throw that out there, too. Tight end mm-hmm. eligibility and fantasy for Taysom Hill yeah. is kind of a cheat code. It's a cheat code, but I don't I don't have a problem with it either, though. Do you? Do you think it's, no, it's unfair? I, mean, I think it should probably change this week if I were in charge of CBS or ESPN fantasy. Yeah, you know, um, it's, it's tough because they're a little bit late changing positions a lot and there's still guys on the defense I play in the league with IDP and individual defensive players the edge positions always been really screwed up in these and so there's players that are full-time defensive ends they're edge players and they're listed as a linebacker because their old scheme last year year before was three four and they were listed as a (laughs) as a linebacker so they're linebacker not defensive end at least give them a slash and, and let them use both Position eligibilities or fix it. Or in a position like this where Taysom Hill's clearly a quarterback, make it quarterback. You can change it. Uh, And and I don't know if they feel like they don't want to change it ever. As soon as the season starts, it's got to be locked in with those positions. But look, you drafted Taysom Hill, and probably he didn't give you a ton of value all season long. Now he has some value. If it says tight end next to his name, use him at tight end. I have no problem with that. That's what his position is. 
Yeah, no, I don't either. But I just I'd like throwing it out there because he's losing his mind. He's like, yeah, this guy's outscoring Dalvin Cook. You know, like you know, like a lot every of people, tight end in the league. Yeah, like, a lot cow. of people are really mad about it, and they're like, "This is unfair. This should not be allowed to happen." Yeah, yeah. Uh, and as Taysom Hill, the quarterback, by the way, was he got away with some stuff and his line looks really good. His QB rating was 108.9 during the game. He didn't play to what that quarterback rating sounds like to me. I mean, he was uh, he threw an arm punt. I think um, Emmanuel Sanders helped he him out a couple it. of times. He hit. I can't remember. Was it which Falcons linebacker he hit right between the numbers in the red zone that should have been picked off. So he got away with some turnover worthy throws there. But again, if the Saints defense, and I'm with you 100%, that was the story of this game was that Saints defense. If this Saints defense continues to play like that, like the way they've played the last three weeks, lights out, they've given up a total of 25 points the last three weeks combined. Wow, yeah. And wow, that's awesome. I mean, they they held the, the Falcons to 4.2 yards per play in this game. And I love the quote yards per play. If you're below five, it's bad. 4.2 is really bad. And not that Atlanta was going anywhere, but they showed some signs of life here this last month since the coaching change. Go look at their remaining schedule, folks. There's not many more wins in the, on the horizon for the Falcons. And don't look now. The Saints have the one seed <laughs> in the NFC. Yeah, Saints. and I think that's deserved. I think they're the best team in the NFC. Right, and absolutely. Maybe I'll change my mind after watching the Bucs, but the Saints beat them twice. And we'll talk a lot about seeding because I think now that we've seen 11 weeks or we're almost done with 11 weeks of NFL football, seeding is going to start to get very important. And I think there's some very interesting seeds in the NFL, which brings me to the next game, which was the Titans. And this one got a little bit chippy. Even from before the snap, the Titans came roaring back to beat the Baltimore Ravens, Matt. And... The, the final score of this game was 30-24 Titans. The Ravens had a 21-10 lead at one point in this game, but even bigger than all of that right now, if the season ends today, the Ravens are not a playoff team. Right. Isn't that insane? And again, I don't want to look forward too much, but Tennessee has Indy this upcoming week. They played them last week. This, the, the Ravens come to here in Pittsburgh for Thanksgiving night. So it's a crucial stretch for these two teams here. Um, uh, side note, and we'll get to the Thursday games. I'm going to tell Steeler Nation, this is a dangerous, dangerous animal backed Ooh. into a corner, these, these, these Baltimore birdies. But this was like a very even game. Uh, I was, I was kind of hesitant. I'm like, I should probably put Tennessee over Baltimore in the power ranks, but they seem like very equal teams. Tennessee was, as usual, able to stick with Derrick Henry, and that started to really pop in the second half. A.J. Brown made a miraculous T.O. power Metcalf-type play that was really impressive. And finally, I've been calling it for a million years, I think, and I'm hesitant to say, get too excited, but I think J.K. Dobbins is the lead back in Baltimore, maybe. I already thought Finally. that last week, and I and I didn't right. even start J.K. Dobbins this week because the the carousel they've been using isn't really valuable for any of those running backs, and they went back to Dobbins as we suggested smartly. Hopefully, they stick with that. I think that's the the right path for them, and uh, it would also help you know me and my fantasy leagues because I have Dobbins just about everywhere it seems like, uh, and and it's been a rough go for me trying to fit him in there when I've needed running backs too. So um, I think it's smart. I think that's carry on Johnson and started him over Dobbins, so that worked out really well. Yeah, uh, same same. Yeah, I did the same <laughs> thing. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's that's hilarious. So. <laughs> J.K. Dobbins, hopefully that sticks, and that's the thing. But as soon as we think that, I'm going to start him next week, and guess what? He's going to get four Dang. carries, right? Right. Right. All right. 
Good game, though. Oh, it's a great game, yeah. These teams are in trouble, but the Ravens are in trouble. But there's a lot of, to your point, the AFC is a couple divisions look wrapped up, but this wild card race is going to be a blast. The way the Titans play, too, on offense, and it's like inevitable that eventually – Derrick Henry's going to wear you down, and it happened to the Ravens' defense too. And so, seeing what the Raven, seeing the Raven, Ravens' defense not be able to hold on to that one at the end of the game, and then also wide receiver, we talked about how it's a problem for the Ravens in that passing game, really not clicking at all. Did you like no. what you saw from Des Bryant? Do you think that's maybe something that can really help them and potentially be the save, not not the savior necessarily, but at least get them over the hump at wide receiver where they can count on somebody to move the chains a little bit? I kind of laughed that off when it happened, but it's such a bold and Steve Smith Ravens-like move, and he's exactly what they need. He has the physical profile that they need. He can get open against man coverage. This is a longer conversation, but the Ravens made a little bit of a judgment error. They're a great, they're a great organization. They figured no one's going to play man coverage against us because Lamar will just run against it. So we don't need man beater wide receivers as much as other teams. Well, now teams are playing man and just like double spying Lamar and their receivers can't get open. Mm -hmm. So if Dez can do this down the stretch and beat you know, one-on-one man coverage against average corners that has value. Multiple thoughts with wide receiver here on both teams. So Des Bryant ended up being the second leading receiver. He had four catches on five targets for the Ravens in his debut first reception since 2017. I have a two and a half year old son that wasn't even born yet. The last time Des Bryant <laughs> caught a ball in a game, which, which kind of blows my mind because life has been um, madness in my family since uh, <laughs> yeah. since our first child was born and and it's inconceivable what life was like before that especially with what's going on in 2020 so that's kind of wild like 100 years ago for you and Marquise Brown three targets zero catches he has just he's just not been a factor this year and i thought he was the breakout receiver in 2020 yeah good point me too um this isn't a fantasy show but you can't start marquise brown anymore it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's okay. amazing how far he's, far he's fallen. And now it's, you know, if Des Bryant's going to get all those targets, then he's really not going to have any value. And you're just hoping if you're playing him that he gets one long touchdown reception mm-hmm. in a game. And on the other side, Corey Davis, five catches for 113 yards. I think he's going to make he's some gonna- money this offseason. And A.J. Brown, only four for 62, but he did have the touchdown. And he was just carrying guys all over the field in the second half. Yeah, what a monster. And yeah, he was held down for a little, but that's a really good Raven secondary too. And I mean, it's a, not a, not an easy opponent by any stretch. One other note about the Ravens D, which I think started to show up. You mentioned how Henry eventually gets loose. No Brandon Williams, no Calais Campbell. Um, I wonder if they'll yeah. have them on a short week on the road against the Steelers too. Like that's a rough situation. I, I, this whole Titans COVID situation from a f- couple weeks ago really had a big influence on the Steelers and Ravens. First of all, if you remember back then, the Steelers basically got robbed of their bye week to some degree. This game got moved. Another game got moved so that the Steelers had to play Baltimore after they played a physical Tennessee team, which, and now the same is true for the Ravens, except it's on a super short week on the road. So you get to do battle against Derrick Henry in overtime, and now you have to come to Pittsburgh in three days rest. You know, like, geez. Thanks, Titans, for your COVID problem. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that. Meanwhile, the Titans are like, what do you mean? We're cool. We're like uh, seven and three now. So, Right, right, right. That should be like the public government service announcement. Look what the Ravens <laughs> did to the Steelers, especially the, Ra- the Ravens. Wear a mask. 
Yeah, wear a mask. Yeah, look how look what it did to the NFL schedule. Wear a mask, people. Come on, right, right. Look at the the influence they had because they were you know, goofing off. <laughs> all right, uh, more coming up. We got to get into all the rest of the games here and move quickly, covering Week Eleven Sunday NFL action on Peacock and Williamson. Echelon brings connected fitness at an affordable price. An arsenal of high tech fitness products that anyone can afford. Bikes, rowers, the new Stride treadmill, so many affordable choices to get you fit this winter. I know a lot of us need it. I know I, for one, need it with what my habits have become over the last uh, nine months or so. When it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as hitting those fitness goals, the accomplishment, feeling great about yourself, and Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes and their all-new Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of home. Thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. And unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone, and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try Echelon Fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com slash NFL. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash NFL. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents or whatever might have held you back, fewer then 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. I watch in a number of different places. I watch every game all day, Sunday, again on Thursday, again on Monday. Uh, maybe if there's a second Monday night game as we get sometimes, I'm in on that too. And I'm watching uh, multiple games on multiple screens and I need refreshment. And Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. So we do have the Thanksgiving schedule this week. We're going to be one show short leading up to week 12 here. So we've got uh, some previews to do Wednesday. We're going to have our two-minute warning on tomorrow's episode. So get those questions into me at BD Peacock to Matt at Williamson NFL. Let's go to the Eagles and Browns, Matt. And this was the Browns with the 22-17 win over Philly. Philly still at 3-6-1, and holding on to the top spot, though, in the NFC East. I'm impressed with the Browns and I put a poll out last night at Williamson NFL and I picked four coaches and said, who's your coach of the year? And rightfully so a lot of my followers said, Hey, you got to put Kevin Stefanski on that list. And I'm like, well, I think I overlooked him. I mean, he's having that kind of impact here. They're seven and three. They know who they are. Didn't have miles Garrett in this game. A lot of hunt, a lot of chub. Um, they don't have Odell, you know, I mean, they don't ask a ton from Mayfield. They have to play a certain way. They seem to play a bad weather game every week in Cleveland. It's just been the kind of luck of the draw, but you know, that's the town you play in. And Philly, Miles Sanders looks good. Wentz is lost. I mean, I'm officially off that bandwagon. I'm not saying his career shot, but he's broken right now and needs rebuilt. And 
they're in trouble. Unbelievably, their tie against the Bengals could be the, the distinguishing factor of why they win the terrible East. Yeah, I don't know what to do about wins. They're talking about yeah. benching him. Like, do you bench him and try to rebuild him? What What's going on there? Because something, obviously, there's there's a lot of injuries and there's some problems there. But even what we've seen from Travis Fulgham recently, the first rounder, Jalen Rager's back. Um, Dallas Goddard's on the field for him. You have Miles Sanders. It's just not working at all for Carson Wentz. No. Do you go as far as to bench him and just say, look, we've got to... And they're in first place. That's the problem. They're in a weird spot. If they're in last place in a division, which they would be in a lot of other divisions with the 3-6-1 and one record, then you would say, okay, well, let's let's start figuring something out for 2021 and let's get Wentz right. But they're in a in a race to, to get into the playoffs still and probably believe that they're going to be a good team. You know how people inside buildings think differently about themselves than we do on the outside looking in. What do you do about Carson Wentz right now? Right. And again, you have to look at it like, hey, we're trying to get the playoffs. We're trying to win the division. The rest of the league might think we're a joke and our division's a joke and they're probably right. But that's not what we're here to do. I think that coaching staff seat might be a little warmer than people realize. Mm. I mean, I guess if you were adored Jalen Hurd and just thought, wow, is he above the curve mentally? I would consider it or at least bring him in the game more often and take Wentz off the field when you bring him in. I need to do more research on this, but I'm pretty sure the Eagles can get out of Wentz's contract without massive ramifications this offseason. And no matter what the cap is, the Eagles are the least cap-happy team in the league this year, coming up. They have massive cap problems. So maybe you give them the rest of this year as an audition with the thought that Maybe we're going to have a second-round pick as our quarterback and have our quarterback meeting room not cost us any money. I'm actually a little bit surprised we haven't seen more of Jalen Hurts because yeah, yeah. he got one carry for six yards in this game, but no pass attempts. Get him on the field a little bit and, and have some fun. At least make it hard on defenses to know what you're doing if you bring him in for one play. You know, what's who cares? But, you know, have him in there for a little bit and move him around and have him take a snap and, and throw a pass. And maybe you you at least have to evaluate what he is going into this season, right? Because of what you mentioned with uh, what could happen with Carson Wentz if they decide they want to get out from under that contract. I'm looking at it right now. So, hmm, yeah, you know what? 2021 is not the year to get out of his contract. It's, it's okay. too much of a a cap hit it's a signed oh, recently yeah it's a massive cap hit geez still um so they're in cap hell 2022 right they can start to get out of it it would at least be positive cap savings they would save six million almost seven million if they released him in 2022 but they would still be taking a 24 million dollar cap hit but uh but overall they would still save wow. money they would take a they would not save any cap. They can't get out of it in 2021 yet. So one more year still with Carson Wentz. So I guess we can pump the brakes on that. So it's probably a two-year uh, window still for Jalen Hurts. So maybe that's the thought. Hurts in 2022 if they feel like they need to go that route. So um, fix Wentz, I guess, is your only path. Yeah. I mean, I guess Wentz doesn't have to be guaranteed to be your opening day starter in 2021 if, if Hurts right. is impressive. That's but, true. Wow, it's bad. Uh, I'm not making excuses for the guy. And they don't have a and they have a losing record since winning the Super Bowl. But ever since that knee injury that he suffered two years ago or so, his his uh, career has mm -hmm. spiraled downward since. And I wonder if it has ramifications physically or mentally. That's a perfect segue the way, yeah. uh, for the next game I want to talk about. And the big news here it was the the Washington yeah. Football Team improving to three and seven, beating the Bengals twenty to nine. But the story here, obviously, and apologies to those for kind of uh, you know 
fast forwarding through the the game stuff is Joe Burrow because we've got to talk about this and Joe Burrow torn ACL. He's going to be done for the year. He sent a message. He said, don't worry, I'll be back next year. But as we just mentioned with Carson Wentz, that's not always that easy of a thing to come back from. And this is pretty late in November for this injury to happen. Uh, week one's probably going to be in doubt for him to really be playing 100%. And it, this is a 12 month injury in a lot of cases so Joe Burrow I mean what what are your thoughts there that is just uh, a brutal blow for the Bengals yeah uh, I mean they're now two seven and one they've lost five out of six things were trending bad for this team before that that's one of the worst news of the year for me because he's been so promising so fun to watch could absolutely change the face of the franchise and that doesn't mean that it won't happen going forward but he's not going to be in many camps I mean was he gonna play in the preseason to your point so you be ready for week one. I mean, short term, I look at the Bengals now and say, behind the Jets and Jags, they're clearly the worst team in the league now. Like you look at Denver, Houston, the NFC East, all those teams are like playing better where since he, it's over. I mean, they're, they're probably not going to win another game. And that means Penny Sewell is going to yeah. be a Cincinnati Bengal. So that's the bright spot because now you got your Jonathan Ogden. So right. look at it in that way. And either that or maybe they get in a situation where, and look, they're, they're as bad or I could see if you had a three-team pool of Jaguars, Bengals, and Jets, and the Bengals yeah. without Joe Burrow going forward, I don't know that the Bengals are markedly better than either of the, those other teams. So if one of those teams no, right. wins some games, I mean, I think that locks the Bengals into a top three pick. They'd be picking third right now if the season ended today, and I don't think that's going to get much worse for them. We'll see. Who knows? I could be wrong there. Obviously, a ton of wild stuff can happen in the NFL. But yeah, Penny Sewell would be the perfect fit, right? Your long-term offensive tackle, or you're in a spot to potentially move down. There are some other really good offensive linemen in this draft class, it looks like. And maybe you have a team that wants to come up for that quarterback and then you, you know, have a bounty of draft picks. So it's not a terrible situation long term as long as Joe Burrow comes back from that knee. And so that's the big thing here and getting him ready and getting him back. And you can't rush him back. Um, it's just it's tough yeah. for the Bengals. You hate to see that with Joe Burrow. Uh, my, my, like you're you a really good point that I, I hope it doesn't influence next year. You know, I hope he's the opening day starter and it's not 85 percent, you know, that he's back by opening day with Penn Sewell and some people around him, yep. you know, the draft talk is you're right. If you put, if you had a round Robin tournament between the jets, Jags and Bengals with Finley as their quarterback, they may end up with the worst record, but they have two and a half wins where the jets have none. The Jags only have one. So right. the Jags have to win two more games to yeah. unseat them. That, know, half, that half a that. game will play huge in that role. Yeah. And, and it'll also lock the Bengals into a pick unless they end up tied with the, uh, with the team they tied with, it, with the Philadelphia Eagles, with their <laughs> the record Eagles at the end of the season. Right, yeah. So, um, yeah, Penny Sewell, I mean, there's there were listeners that were Bengals fans that were asking us earlier this season in some mailbag shows, like, are are the Bengals going to break Joe Burrow? And the comparison was De De uh, Derek Carr about um, getting hit too much at quarterback. And they weren't even considering the injury factor of that. So, I mean, just with when you put all this together, it's like, oh, my God, you have to take that offensive tackle if you're the Bengals at the top. Protect that investment. And, uh, you know, a message to other teams. Oh, man, we got a young quarterback. Let's protect him. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I'm trying to look at it through a glass half full, but every mock draft in the world is going to go, 
Lawrence Field Sewell. Sewell. It's okay, done. Let's yeah. start talking. It's pick four. Let's yeah. go from there. Put those in in permanent marker at the top. That's right. what it's going to look like for a long time until things might get shooken up in April or the at least until the combine. So that's uh, that's the top one, two, three right now in every mock draft. So the draft starts at four, and uh, that'll be fun. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that today. Real quick, t- I'll throw one thing out oh, there sure. because that four spot, all of a sudden, I kind of mentioned, I'm not sure who else is bad. You know, the whole NFC East. Washington played well. We kind of overlooked that. Antonio Gibson had a nice day. Alex Smith is making it a professional offense. Denver won. Houston won. Like, these other bad teams are – Dallas won. You know, the Giants are playing okay. Like, Chargers won. Like, these bad teams are starting to be okay. There's, what, six or seven three-win teams now. Uh, so, Dallas would be that team right now just because of strength of schedules, the tiebreaker. But I mean that seven, wait, six or six teams, six, three win teams right now. And then another handful, half a dozen, four win teams. So yeah, four through 15 right now is just way up in the air. That's going to be crazy. And um, it's a true have and have not situation right now around the NFL because the playoff teams, when you look at those seedings, which we talked about a little bit earlier, um, there's like eight or nine teams in each division that are the only teams that really have a shot at making the playoffs at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are. There isn't much of a middle class right now, but outside those three awful teams, I don't know that any other team stinks. I don't see anybody breaking through that top three right now. It's possible. Uh, Giants, Houston, which is Miami's pick, Atlanta, Chargers, Dallas. Did I say Washington? Yeah, those are the three. Yeah. But they're going to win more games. Like, those teams aren't playing bad. Mm-hmm. You're right. And it's hard to see a lot of wins for Jacksonville, New York, and uh, Cincinnati. All right, let's finish up this Sunday slate coming up on Peacock and Williamson. You want a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar? Well, Build Bar is for you. They are delicious, dipped in 100% wonderful chocolate, and there's so many different times that is great for Build Bar, before or after workouts. High protein, high fiber, low in sugar, low in calories, or for a long drive. That's the latest way I've utilized a Build Bar. Throw a built bar in your car. You don't have to stop for some fast food joint, knock out a thousand calories. Grab yourself a built bar instead. It's so great for the health conscious folks out there. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. And built bars are low in calorie. Built bars are low in sugar, but they're high in protein and high in fiber. Even great for a keto diet. A ton of flavors. The 12 original flavors, six brand new flavors. The new cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and 4 grams of sugar. My favorite, even more protein in the peanut butter flavor, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, and only 5 grams of sugar and 5 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. Promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's go to your Steelers, Matt, who beat up on... The lowly Jacksonville Jaguars that we just talked about. And there was a thought that maybe, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars are a team that can put up a fight. This was a clear not fight from early on, especially in the second quarter where the Steelers went up 17 to three and then just sort of cruise control in the second half. 27 to three, the Steelers beat the Jaguars. Steelers remain unbeaten, top seed in the AFC. Yeah. And the Jags opening drive, they went right down the field. They looked good. Um, Robinson's a legit player for them. Got a field goal and never scored again and were pretty much dominated on offense and threw four picks and Luton looked like, you know, a deer in headlights and 
that's pretty much all you need to know. I mean, the Steelers got back to run the ball a little bit better. Their receivers are dominant. De- uh, Deontay Johnson's a great player. The CRD yeah. pretty much ruled the day too. So um, kind of, I guess, as you would expect. I mean, one team hasn't won since week one and the other team has not lost. So The fantasy aspect of Deontay Johnson, interesting. 12 catches, 111 yards. Is he the number one? Is he the guy in Pittsburgh? Because there's plenty of good wide receivers over there and we, we always get a lot of fantasy questions and one of our questions this week was about Claypool versus T. Higgins versus Fulgham. And I told our listener to play Higgins. I feel pretty good about that, although Claypool did have the touchdown in this game. I've been saying for a long time that when Johnson plays the entire game and he's missed some time, he's clearly the one. He's the one thing you can count on in this passing game. Targets, feature receiver. I don't want to say he's Antonio Brown, but if he, he's assuming that role – and I've said that's really since the season opened. Um, but I read this today. I think it's a pro football focus nugget that in games, in, in every game that Johnson's played start to finish, he's averaged 12 and a half targets, 7.8 catches, 89 receiving yards, and 21.6 PPR points. Compared Oof. to AB's last season here, where he had 11.2 targets, which is less, seven catches, which is less. 86 receiving yards, which is less, and slightly more uh, fantasy points per game. So he's basically the exact same production as AB's 2018 season here, which is nobody puts him in that light, but he's in starting to get that in that realm where he's a great football player. And probably the reason why he's not getting the headlines is because some of those injuries earlier on in the season. But that's a wow number you just threw out there. And Claypool and Juju, you know, those guys are good, too. The Carolina Panthers blanked the Lions 20 to 0. Panthers now 4 and 7, Lions now 4 and 6. What do you make of the PJ Walker led Carolina Panthers? Yeah, he played well. I, I mean, I'm a little hesitant on some of these guys, you know, like Garrett Gilbert played well and some of these dudes come and play well for a game. It's a lot harder once there's tape on you two three games to see if you can keep it up, but I was really excited about this signing. I thought he was like the best player in the XFL, very familiar with Matt Rule. So I was, I'm glad we got a shot to see this guy. Uh, and the Panthers are a strong organization right now. They're going the right way. Um, I was happy to see DJ Moore have another big game. But the Lions are in shambles. I mean, Stafford plays this game with a, a bad hand injury. No Swift, no Amendola, no uh, Galladay yet again. Like, I mean, this offense has nothing. By the way, one of those guys I was talking about, an individual defensive player on your fantasy teams, if you're playing IDP, Brian Burns. I love Brian Burns for the Carolina Panthers. He had a pair of sacks in this game, a couple tackles for loss. Uh, That dude's going to be a star, I I have a feeling, and he doesn't get a lot of pub right now, so I just wanted to throw his name out there. Yeah, Lions are in a bad place, though. Oh, yeah. And banged up Matthew Stafford. I would love to see Matthew Stafford in another uniform at some point. I'm just throwing that out there right now. Probably too early to talk about that. Probably, but I don't disagree. 27 to 20, the Texans beat the Patriots. Who are these teams? I don't even know what's going on with either one of these teams right now. And uh, they're a hard team to pick. I thought for sure this was going to be a Patriots team to handle a little bit of business in Houston. But no, it was the Texans improving to three and seven. Patriots fall to four and six. Yeah, I didn't see this coming. But I think the Texans are Deshaun Watson and not much else. (laughs) It's who they are is... You know, when he's Superman and they got they got a lead on the Patriots 
and the Patriots had to kind of get away from Damian Harris, who looks great and was doing fine work, and then they started throwing more, got a little bit out of their comfort zone to keep up with Watson, then that's not their formula. And I know these teams have had different perspectives going into the season, and one's the smartest organization in the world, and the other one traded DeAndre Hopkins, doesn't know what they're talking about. But this is if they played 100 times, it might be 50-50. One thing I did want to say, though, is Cam Newton's having a better year than people realize. You know, like when he actually gets to practice and doesn't have COVID, he's not – the, the main problem with the, the uh, New England offense. I'm going to say that. He's, oh, been, right. he's been fine. I completely agree. And he went for 365 passing yards in this game. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, comp- who's his leading receiver? Demir Bird? I mean, they're just <laughs> right, so right. under. Give the, him a guy. The Pats are just undermanned on both sides of the ball. Absolutely. They, they just don't have a very talented team. And, really, Houston doesn't either. All right, here we go. This is a, this is a big one for me. This was the Broncos holding on to beat the Dolphins 20-13. to 13, And... Uh, the story here was the benching of Tua Tagovailoa. I hate the decision to bench your rookie quarterback in what his third was it fourth third start of his career. Mm-hmm. He sees some adversity, and then you're going to bench the guy. And Fitzpatrick came in, made a couple plays, but then threw a pick, and and he didn't lead them back or anything like that. I, I just don't like this from where the Dolphins are from your development of your quarterback. Let him have some growing pains. You have to let a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback, have some growing pains, go through a rough game, and come out of it right. I tend to agree, unless it's a health injury situation, which I don't think it is, but he was sacked six times and took a beating and looked overwhelmed. And Denver's a good defense, and let's not forget how bad the Dolphins' offensive line is. But you're right. I mean, it's the same old line that they've played with, you know, every step of the way. Um, You you did mention Fitz came in, gave him a spark, but inevitably threw the pick, as he often does. And Denver, I think, deserves a lot of credit. I mean, like, again, their defense really harassed Tua and made life very difficult on him. Vic Fangio knows what he's doing on that side of the ball. And I thought this is the best Drew Locke has looked in a long time against a defense that has confounded young quarterbacks and made them look bad. And Denver ran the ball. I mean, their their backs, both those backs had had big days, almost ran for 200 yards. Uh, And so I thought this was a really nice step in the right direction for Denver and Drew Locke. But... Two is going to start next week. Dolphins tied with the Baltimore Ravens just outside the playoff picture right now in the AFC at six and four. The Broncos improved to four and six on the year. Some signs of life from Drew Locke, which is really good to see for the Broncos. And I'd kind of buried him earlier on in the week. So I I did want to mention that. Um, But yeah, still don't like the Tua decision. And Brian Flores said, yeah, it was just about trying to win that game and thought Ryan Fitzpatrick gave him a better shot to win in the fourth quarter. And it was still Tua was the starter next week. So a little bit of a head scratcher there for me, but we'll see what Tua looks like next week. And then it also is going to beg the question of there's quarterbacks in the draft and they have Houston's pick. So, I mean, that's, that's the other thing that creeps into this whole conversation is you have to question, okay, well, is Tua the guy if you don't believe in him? Yeah. And I have my doubts if Miami's truly one of the best seven teams in a good AFC, um, but they have a really easy schedule the rest of the way. So uh, they very easily could get in. They average 3.7 yards per play on offense. I mean, under five is bad. Under four is horrid. 3.7. Ooh. One rookie quarterback who is not going to get benched is Justin Herbert. 366 oh, passing yards, three touchdown passes. The way he's just slinging the rock all over the place. Given this was against the New York Jets, but we've seen it week in and week out since he jumped in there early in the season. 34-28 chargers beating the Jets. 28 points for the Jets, I think, is a victory and a loss right there. 
Yeah, uh, that's what I was going to say is the Jets are bad. Don't get me wrong, but I moved them from 32 to 31 in my power ranks over the Jags, and they may even go what? past the Bengals. How about that? That's big news, man. Oh I mean, God. Flacco looks okay, and I like Mims. I like Perryman. Like, all of a sudden, you're allowed to get better, and the Jets are getting better. They're still a bad team. Don't get me wrong, but – and, hey, the Chargers – had their struggles closing teams out this year, and that also proved true yesterday. I mean, they, uh, the Jets' pension for losing mojo was just a little stronger than the Chargers' mojo for losing close games. So they made this closer than they should. But the Chargers should be a really, really good team. Herbert's ridiculous. I mean, his talent is amazing. Keaton Allen caught 16 balls. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, 16 for 145 in the score. Really helping out your fantasy football team with 30 points in your PPR league there. Uh, you mentioned Denzel Mims, and I got to talk about that rookie class from the Jets because that's the important thing here if you're the Jets. Denzel Mims, Mekhi Becton, uh, Ashton Davis was their leading tackler. He had 12 tackles in that game for the Jets defense. Bryce Hall just started playing, I think, last week for the first time. The rookie fifth-round corner, who I think was a steal where they got him, but he was hurt coming into the draft, which is why he fell a little bit. Uh, that, I love that rookie class for the New York Jets. The first class for GM Joe Douglas. They're going to have maybe the number one overall pick. You're talking about Trevor Lawrence. They have two firsts. They have uh, yeah. five top 100 picks, a sixth when they trade Sam Darnold, depending on what they're able to get for him. Get the head coach right. It's a good situation for the New York Jets. It, it really is. I mean, we, we said that earlier in the year. Like, hey, guys, the Dolphins were this bad in week five just last year. And look how far they've come in a year. The great point about Joe Douglas's first draft being really, really strong. Jets fans should be like, okay, maybe we now have our talent evaluator. That's a huge piece in the puzzle. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to have Lawrence, get the head coach right. And I host that Locked on Dynasty show with Ryan McDowell, and we'll be taping tonight. And uh, like every episode I've been mentioning, get Denzel Mims. You, you know, all you got to do is picture next year Mims catching the ball from Lawrence for the next eight years and – Grab him now while you still can, and his stock's rising like crazy. Yep, a quarterback that can get him the ball down the field, and we saw a nice catch from him deep down the sideline. He did that so much at Baylor. Uh, see what how the rest of his route tree develops. I don't want to call him DK Metcalf, but in that vein of a player who can, I think, play really well and give you a couple of routes, maybe not dominant, but he can run mm -hmm. a couple of routes and win in the NFL right now and develop the rest of that route tree. I really like Denzel Mims going forward for a quarterback that can get the ball down the field and outside the numbers. Yeah, I 100% agree. All right, we still have so much to get to here, Matt. Let's go to the Colts and Packers. This one hurt me because I had the pack in our six-pack, and they lost in overtime a costly fumble from Marquez Valdez-Scantling as the Colts held on to win this one. A Rodrigo Blankenship field goal, 34-31 in OT. Yeah, I mean, overtime game obviously was an evenly matched game, but I thought it was pretty much every step of the way to... Uh, that MVS fumble is going to be what you remember, and boy, that stings because it could have been a, a much different outcome. But man, I mean, Aaron Rodgers did a, had a phenomenal drive to take this thing to overtime. Um, the Colts played very well, and I thought their defense hung in there against a good offense for the majority of the day. Late in the game, it always gets tough in this league. 
But kind of like the J.K. Dobbins conversation, maybe Jonathan Taylor's grabbing this thing by the throat finally and, and running with the backfield job. Yeah, I saw that. And he got, he got the ball 22 times, only 4.1 yards per carry. I say only. That's a fine average. But it was very... Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the bl- the breakout runs for him. There's not a lot on the second level. It's like, I'm going to take the ball and run as fast as I can where the hole is designed to go. If it's there, I'm going to get yards. If it's not, I'm not. So I want to see that from Jonathan Taylor. A little bit more vision, a little bit more... Uh, at the second level and some bigger runs, which would really add to those totals. Cause a lot of great running backs, it's like, you know, three, two, four, five, and then 20, you know, and I want to mm-hmm. see that from Jonathan Taylor too. But the fact that they gave him the ball with that workload, I think was a, a good sign for him going forward. Michael Pittman uh, looking like he's starting to become that oh, wide receiver one there in that offense. He had a nice 45 yard catch and run. Obviously, Devontae Adams doing Devontae Adams stuff on the other side of the ball. They still need to figure out who their number two is. Alan Lazard back in limited fashion after his injury. I think Valdez Scantling might see a lot more of the bench, and uh, Alan Lazard might see a lot more of the field now going forward with Devontae Adams at wide receiver, which is uh, pretty much the perfect scenario there for Aaron Rodgers, who played so well. But uh, again, a story here is the defense and some of the new additions on defense for the Colts. Julian Blackman, who I talked about in my stock up, stock down. He had that fumble. Uh, the force fumble late in the game on MVS and the guy who picked it up was a new addition, a big time free agent addition to Forrest Buckner. So the the newcomers on that defense really playing well for the Colts. Yeah, absolutely. And and they held the ball about eight eight minutes longer than Green Bay. I, I'm not sure Green Bay's a contender. You're not sure they're a contender? Wow. I mean, I, I think they'll win their division. They could win a playoff game. I don't know that they can do much more than that. Their defense is going to hold him back? I think so. I just think they, I, I mean, this is the, the, the low-hanging fruit, but couldn't you have grabbed Claypool, Mims, blah, 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 instead of Love oh, yeah. or even Dylan? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's going to haunt. That's going to yeah. haunt Packers fans and probably Aaron Rodgers for a while there. Um, yeah. That's, and it's obvious, unless, unless, Love becomes something, or even if he becomes something, and Rogers still, it, it's 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 like the Garoppolo, Tom Brady situation almost, right? Right, because right. You can't move away from Aaron Rodgers right now. Who cares? No. Who cares where you drafted the backup quarterback? You can't move off Aaron Rodgers. Can't do it. No, no. I mean, I I think they're a weapon short, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and that first round pick could have been real nice to uh to, to whatever biggest weakness you think is on that Packers team, whether it's wide receiver or defense, uh, uh, that could have a- helped quite a bit. All right. Cowboys beat the Vikings 31-28, and it was the return of Andy Dalton, who played pretty well at quarterback for them. This is going to be looked at as a very bad loss for the Vikes. I don't see it that way. I thought Dallas played well. I thought going back to before their bye against the Steelers, they started to turn the corner. They're a very talented team. Cousins played well. I mean, they're... Uh, Thielen played very well. Uh, I just think Dallas is not a joke anymore. My big takeaway from this game was the highlight catches. CeeDee Lamb had catch of the year for about, what, 30 minutes until Adam Thielen, I think, outdid him. I think his one-handed toe tapper in the corner of the the end zone was better. Those those might be the two best catches in the NFL this year. Oh, yeah, and then Justin Jefferson catching a long touchdown pass from Kirk Cousins, looking like the best wide receiver so far this year in this rookie class. But seeing C.D. Lamb at the quarterback is night and day with seeing him not with the quarterback. So that was what was fun to me is just watch those wide receivers. Yeah, 100%. And Dallas has their issues, but I, I think they can – I think they're okay now. You know, the quarterback settled, they're coming off a bye. 
they have receivers. Zeke Elliott got involved. Pollard's a big time guy too, is a playmaker too. I mean, they're they're not horrible. So much happening Sunday, and then we got to finish it off in prime time with the Chiefs comeback win against the Raiders, thirty five, thirty one. How fun was that game? Yeah, great game, and I'm really impressed with the Raiders. I mean, they their offense is humming to me. I think Carr's playing extremely well. I think Gruden's in that coach of the year conversation and falling to six and four in the AFC certainly hurts, but I think they can play with just about anyone. Josh Jacobs is a star and, you know, I thought Kansas city, frankly, was going to win by a million. And I thought that this was a pretty even game. Yeah. And the Raiders have showed it twice. They beat Kansas city once and held on and almost won this game. Just gave Patrick Mahomes a little bit too much time. And it was amazing how lightning quick they came back down the field and scored again when they yeah. got the ball back there. But Derek Carr played great. Three touchdown passes in this game, uh, 23 of 31 efficient. I like what I'm seeing up front for Las Vegas, which I think is key to their offense is how good the offensive line is playing. And we still haven't even seen a lot from their, uh, young rookie wide receivers, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. I like both those players still, and I think there's a lot more there for those guys when they develop, but they're getting enough out of the resurgence of Nelson Aguilar, 6 for 88 and a touchdown, and Darren Waller at tight end, 7 for 88 and a touchdown. And then, of course, um, Hunter Renfro in the slot. So, you know, I think Las Vegas is going to be fine. They're going to be okay. Kansas City just better. Yeah, and and the Vegas O-line is really good as well. They fought through some injuries. You mentioned Aguilar. He, we should probably mention him a couple of weeks ago. I mean, amazing what they're getting out of him. Good for him. And then I saw they, they showed it up on the screen. Just an amazing Mahomes stat that he, through his first 40 starts, I think last night was his 41st start, he's thrown four or more touchdowns in 11 of those first 40 starts. So a quarter of the time that he takes the field, he throws four or more touchdowns. Like, that's insane. That is insane. I thought there was some scrappiness from the Las Vegas defensive backfield in the end. They they couldn't cover him enough, but the, the things that I thought I was worried about with the Raiders, they're proving they're going to be okay there. So uh, this is looking like a playoff team the more and more I watch them right now. And uh, looking at that AFC playoff picture, they would have the last seed in the playoffs. They have the tiebreaker over both Baltimore and Miami, all three of those teams at 6-4. and four. These teams might meet again. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. A third <laughs> fun. final meeting. You got to break the tie there. Yeah. If I'm Andy Reid, this would be a team low on my list on the AFC that I want to play. Oh, yeah. I don't want to play the Raiders again if I'm the Chiefs. And, and they've proven to play most other teams in the league a lot better than they've played the Raiders, the only team that's uh, beaten them so far this year and, and took them to the wire again. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Good stuff, Matt. Long show there. There was a lot of storylines, a lot of fun stuff from week 11 Sunday. We didn't get a chance to break down Monday Night Football, but we don't have time and we can talk about what we see from Bucks and Rams on tomorrow's show. And we will address your questions now after 11 weeks of the NFL. Tag me at BD Peacock with those two minute warning questions. We'll hit every division in the league tomorrow and tag Matt at Williamson NFL. Talk to you then right here. Peacock and Williamson.